everyone and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth and this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh hot off the press. praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning saunterers, welcome to another sauntering podcast with me Paul White. And today I'm just reflecting a little bit on the subject of identity. And uh, it's amazing how massive this topic has become in recent days. And we see the politicians and the big corporations all targeting identity issues and trying to kind of reach out to people with perhaps marginal who feel marginalized by mainstream society and saying we're here for you we see you we validate you and we want you to vote for us and buy our products and make us rich <laughs> or make us successful Con- commit yourself to our victory and so on and so this is a huge deal and i was just kind of wondering what's behind it all and i guess it's all to do with feeling like there is a place for us somewhere in this world that we belong somewhere, that there our people are there somewhere and we can find our people maybe by asserting our identity and finding others with the same kind of identity as us or that we kind of feel really get us and then we can be safe with them and we won't have to defend ourselves or justify ourselves, that they will help to validate us and all that. And I think there's this great deep desire in each of us to feel safe. And I remember when I was a young person, still living at home and going off to college on my motorbike, and I would come home, travel all the miles back down the M1, and arrive at home. And it was humble and ordinary and kind of predictable, but I felt safe. And I felt like this is this is home. There's somehow I can just be me and I don't have to defend myself or fight to be anybody here. I can just be safe. I can just be me. And there was something so reassuring about my mum and dad and their kind of predictable lifestyle that I'd grown up with and that same kind of often unspoken affirmation but it was there nonetheless of me as who I am and just loving me for who I am so uh, that I understand that that deep desire to find home and to find that sense of belonging and uh, there's this big question I suppose that has been thrown up into the air it's been kind of modern science and some very outspoken individuals who are experts in that field have said things that make our identity 
a massive issue. So if we look at um, someone like Professor Stephen Hawking, who's incredibly super brainy, super clever, made amazing advances and understood incredibly complicated things. But the underlying message from his life was that the universe just came into being for no particular reason. It, it, it just happened. And then its development just happened. There was no particular reason for that. It just it just happened. And so what we can say by inference and by kind of taking that thought and developing it really is that all life is here just because, just because it happened. It started spontaneously and there was no reason for that in one sense and and he he goes in there's videos explaining how he he thinks but the idea of it all really is that there is nothing particular as a reason for the universe to exist other than the laws of physics and you know chemistry and so on if we look at someone if we look at the human body for example and we think wow that's so incredible the design the intricacy of how every organ every little tiny cell all plays its part how the eye has such an incredibly precise um structure and design to it so that it works perfectly in the way it does so much of the time and our kidneys and how all those those chemical reactions happen and make our kidneys work as this incredible filtration system for our body or how our liver processes all the stuff we put into our bodies and uh, kind of cleans it all up and keeps us alive that just is so incredible and it all works in beautiful kind of unison together and makes us this what is a most outstanding invention this the human being is the most outstanding machine and we have this ability to learn we have this self-awareness this whole range of emotions and yet Richard Dawking would say you know really again super clever guy way more clever than me super brainy and very very accomplished in his field of biology and evolutionary biology and so on but he would say, don't be fooled by the appearance of a design. <laughs> he would say, there is no watchmaker. There's, <laughs> you can read his book. He, was, he will just literally get his Gatling gun out and shoot down any idea that this body of ours was designed by anyone. But it's purely there because of the natural logical progression of molecules evolving and developing and so on it's it's stunning but but nonetheless they and they and of course made possible by the passage of great big eons of time which make it all conceivably possible but what that kind of thinking does it leaves us with a sense that actually we're we're not important Actually, we're just a collection of atoms. Our bodies are just a collection of atoms that happen to be arranged in a particular way. In, and a table <clears throat> or a stone or a piece of coal is just equally valid, equally kind of predictable and ex to be expected as we are. And so we think, well, there's this 
monstrously huge universe that we live as part of in our planet. We understand, we're told really, really strongly is asserted that our planet is super tiny in relation to the universe. And we understand that. We understand about these suns that make our sun look like a tiny grain of sand in comparison. And they they occupy this universe that's just full of immeasurable distances and black holes and all these other things. And so we, we end up with this sense of our own our own kind of identity is being super tiny and actually pretty irrelevant, really. And so although the environmentalists will tell us that we're very important and what we do on the earth is really, really important for the future of our species and other species on the earth, and we know that what we do is really important, but yet on the other hand, in the cosmos, we're almost irrelevant and we are just random pieces of dust floating around, collections of atoms that have no more value to the evolutionary biologist or to the physicist like Stephen Hawking than, I don't know, um, a lump of lead. And so uh, that doesn't help us. That doesn't make us feel special <laughs> or valuable. It, and yet in our hearts, there is this sense that somehow... I do mean something. I'm sure I have value. And there's this, throughout our lives, we see this quest to make a difference, to leave a mark, even if it's to improve the lives of those who come after us, to make it better for children with a particular developmental disability or something like that. And we can raise money, we can run a marathon or something to raise money and leave behind a bit of a hope for somebody else to have a slightly better life. And so there is a, a desire for significance, a sense that we are relevant and we are valuable. So if we look at the Stephen Hawking origin story, if you like, we see that there's... Um, it's random. It just happened. There's no reason to it. And if we look at Richard Dawkins's view, we would say, yeah, that our development and our existence as in our current state is just a consequence of natural things that happen as molecules and atoms come together and evolve and light acts on them and all these other things in this particular kind of universe that we have. Excuse me. But my origin story, I understand, is actually goes back even further, goes back even before the Big Bang, even before, excuse me, the universe began. Um, because I take my origin story from the Bible and the Bible tells me that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It didn't just happen. But actually, God created the heaven and earth. And he went through this process. And it may, some, some theologians believe it happened in a literal seven days. Some theologians believe it happened over many, many eons of time. And, and in one sense, I don't think it really matters. But the idea that the Bible says really categorically, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It puts God right there at the center and is and the bible then really becomes 
uh, a kind of document of God, the craftsman, claiming his workmanship. And he's saying, I made that. That is mine. I made it for a purpose. It actually does have a purpose. And that sense of purpose that is in the heart of men and women and young people and children growing up in school, they want to be significant. They want to be famous. They want to make a difference. That, that, that sense of significance is in us because God put it there in the first place because he did make us significant. Now, if we read the Bible through, we understand that actually God put the human race on the earth to represent himself. He said, let us make man in our image. He said, I'm going to make somebody, I'm going to make a being to fill this particular planet who looks like me and acts like me and represents me. And so the purpose of the human being was to fill the earth with representatives of God. And God said, go and fill the earth and subdue it. And so the idea was that God would inhabit his people and they would live on the earth and extend his love and his care for the planet all around the earth in by just living, oops, um, living in his, in a way that represented him really well. Now, we know the story, many of us know the story, it didn't go well, and the man and the woman decided that they were had ideas of their own, and they were not going to do it God's way, but actually they were going to continue to, they were going to actually take the law into their own hands and decide their own fate. Um, but then we, if we read on through and jump forwards into the New Testament, we discover that actually God still has a plan for us. This plan is actually still good and is still live. And so he uh, sends Jesus to the world who um, invites us back into a relationship with God that our ancestors forfeited by taking the law into their own hands. And if we, I'm really, really trying to summarize super, condense it all into some simple ideas so that we can go away with it for today. But um, the Apostle Paul says that actually before the foundation of the world, God predestined, God chose us and predestined us to be adopted as sons. So here we have it. So right in that little, simple, theologically dense statement, the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, before the foundation of the earth, before anything that we recognise as our planet was made, God had a plan. And it was to have sons and daughters on the earth who are who have been adopted into his family and the reason Jesus came was to introduce this god this creator who's out there somewhere who is who initiated this incredible creation that we marvel at and the more we find out about it the more we're amazed by it but Jesus came and he said listen that god is a father and he actually knows 
how many hairs you have on your head. Now, if you'd have asked my dad how many hairs I had on my head, he wouldn't have known. But he would have known that my date of birth, he would have been there. He would be able to tell you about all the significant events that he'd observed in my life growing up. He was there. He watched me grow. He partnered with my mum in parenting me. And he was intimately involved in my life and my development. And he was a great dad in lots and lots of ways. And so, um, but Jesus, is, Jesus came and he said, listen, you're, you think your dad's great? Wait till you discover this dad. He actually cares about the little sparrows. He cares about the flowers in the field, but he cares about you. He makes the flowers beautiful. He wants to make you beautiful. He cares about the birds having enough food. He wants to feed you. And Jesus is constantly holding out this invitation for men and women and children as well to come to know this father, to have a relationship with the one who not only created the vastness of space and the colossal size of some of the suns and planets out there, but he is intimately aware and knowledgeable about you and I, but he loves us. So we have this most famous verse in the whole Bible, which is John three sixteen, where it, John says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes on him would not perish but have eternal life. And so there's this, Jesus comes as a gift and whoa, what a gift. He introduces us to the father, but then he says, listen, all the stuff that is against you, I am going to pay for all of that. I'm going to die and take care of all of that so that you can be restored into harmony and relationship with God so that you can come home to God without feeling judged you can come home to your father and know that you don't have to justify yourself anymore you don't have to try and prove anything because listen I have taken care of all of that one of the things that keeps people away from God is actually they feel like they'll never be good enough and that is so true. You will never be good enough to please God. I will never be good enough to please God. The idea of it is even arrogant to think that somehow I could try hard enough to be good enough to please this awesome God who created the universe, whose ways are so much higher. Than, how, how could I uh, presume to be good enough to please him? And yet Jesus says, do you know what? I've taken care of all of that. I've covered the legal side of it. What I want you to do is to say, yes, please, let that count for me. So when Jesus died on the cross, he was taking care of all the legal obligations for your bad stuff, for your sin, for my sin. I have got plenty. And Jesus is, when Jesus hung on that cross, he was paying, he was taking care of the legal implications of all of that stuff so that we could be free and that we could then 
come into this relationship with God the Father, where we would know that he truly, deeply loves us. So my origin story then predates the creation of the world, because it was always God's plan to have a family where we were adopted into that family and brought close to him as sons and daughters. There's a, there's a beautiful um, verse in the Bible, again written by the Apostle John in one of his letters, and he says, as dearly loved children, and that is who you are. Somewhere else it says, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave himself for us. And so when, he, when Jesus died, it was God giving himself for us so that we could be reconciled to him, so we could be with him forever, so that we can come home to him and be safe and be loved and find that identity that God had for us way, way back before anything even started. My identity, your identity, was to become adopted into his family, to become a true son, a true daughter and loved by him and then what he does then is he puts his spirit into us which begins to confer his nature onto us and begins to change our value system it's like he upgrades our operating system to a whole new operating system and we no longer operate like we did before but his spirit inside us transforms us and renews us and updates all our files and changes the whole thing all around so we're running on a completely new operating system so my origin story then is i was conceived before there was even an earth to put me on i was conceived before there was a universe to put the earth in to put me on I was conceived in the heart of God. And then there came a time when, by God's incredible kindness, he woke me up to realise that what Jesus did was for me. And then I said yes to him. And he said, great, great. Let's have a party. Let's celebrate. This Paul has come home. me he's now accepted my offer and is part of my family that's so incredible isn't it and then God puts his spirit inside me and begins this revolution where he changes me from the inside out now the identity that we crave we will not find by joining this group or that group this pressure group or that pressure group or having this surgery or having this done or having whatever changing this or changing that, the identity the, the identity and that sense of belonging that we need, that we crave for and we long for deep within, we will only ever find as we rest ourselves in the love of God the Father through the amazing gift of Jesus. That's all we have time for today and I hope that's started some thinking Um, I will probably do another podcast on this subject shortly. Have an amazing day. Lord Jesus, we thank you 
that you have made it possible for us to be reconciled to God the Father. Thank you that you haven't just called us to just about survive, but you've called us as dearly loved children to be part of your incredible family and to spend forever and ever and ever with you when our life on this earth is done. And so we thank you, Jesus, and pray for everyone who will listen to this, that you will just bring that truth home and make it really, really stick in Jesus' incredible name. Amen.